0: Every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe
1: Hey guys, this is another episode of the Believe in Padre's Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. This is episode 52. And as summer camp continues to roll along. It's it's fun seeing uh along. It's fun seeing uh, a lot of the guys, you know, perform well for a change. Um some guys that struggled with the bat last year. Not gonna name names on the show, it's not what we're about, but uh it, it's it's nice seeing um everyone having fun at Petco even though there's this this virus going around and they're isolated and it's it's not a, a typical spring training. They should be at the mid season point or well past it by now. I think I just saw they should be at the All-Star break by now. Uh, that might have been today actually. But anyway, it's, it's nice to see spirits are up and the new guys are acclimating and um, we're seeing a lot of good performances in spring, which you, you know you never can just assume that's going to transfer over. And prospects that are playing really well, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the new standard. It's not doesn't mean they're going to be the top prospects, but it's better than playing poorly. So take what you can get, you know? On today's show, we've got special guest, Travis Radke, left-handed pitcher in the Padres organization. Maybe you've heard of him. Had a pretty good year last year out of the bullpen, pitching across uh, three different levels, high A, double A, and triple A. Pitched really well in triple A. And, and as we all know, the Pacific Coast League is not an easy place to pitch. So small sample size, only only through 70 innings across uh, the year, but had a really good season. And I thought he was going to be a, a strong candidate to make this... Expanded roster, or taxi squad, or whatever they're calling it now, at some point, and he still might. He still might at some point. Um, we'll have to wait and see how things go with the pitching. As we know, that the bullpen is really deep this year. Uh, the pitching staff, just in general, is really deep. There's a lot of talent, lots of young talent. So, hope for the best with Travis. But uh, before we get into the, his interview, let's talk about Simply Safe. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? a home security system that's so complicated you never use it. That's exactly the type of system SimpliSafe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your home 24-7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. Head to simplysafe.com slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. That's a snappy slogan at the end there. I like that. Anyway, here is Travis Radke. So joining the show now, we've got starting pitching, or former starting pitching, I guess, just pitching prospect of the San Diego Padres organization, Travis Radke. You've been in the bullpen for a a while now, haven't you?
0: Oh yeah, I've been in the bullpen pretty much primarily since I got Tommy John surgery. So 17 on, and then... Uh, pretty much bullpen, primarily my first season as well, back in 14.
1: Yeah, instinctively, I just threw out the starting pitcher on you because that's how you came up, but my bad. <laughs> in the bullpen now. So uh, what have you been up to, man?
0: Oh, man, you know, I think everybody's got their own unique story behind that. For me personally, I'm I'm here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona with my wife. Uh, just been uh, working a second job right now with everything going on with baseball and COVID and just trying to train and stay ready as best I can.
1: Phoenix is an interesting place to be right now. San Diego just shut everything down. Governor Newsom recommended to a bunch of places that they close all of the indoor activities. So like gyms and restaurants that were operating indoors are now all closed again. It's the second round of shutdowns. And I imagine things are not so great where you're at too. Yeah, it it seems to not be going too
0: good here. Obviously, the the bounce back everybody was talking uh, came back with the fury to put it lightly. But, you know, I mean, I think they opened up a lot of stuff and now they're starting to talk about closing it down or, or restricting it again, just because it's starting to get a little bit out of hand. But, you know, we're all going through this for the first time. So it's, it's kind of interesting how like each state can like compare itself to another one.
1: Yeah, it is. We're see we're finally seeing, um, we're all in this together, every state. And then you start seeing like, Oh, different States can do different things. We're starting to see more, of the independence of the States kind of coming back something that you don't think about very often, but there's different rules for each place. It's, it's interesting to see play out a little bit. Definitely. All right. What's your communication with the Padres been like since, um, the season, the minor league season got canceled. And then we had a bunch of stuff happen with, um, you know, the delay to the major league season. And then they, they agreed on this, you know, taxi squad formation of, uh, just what's, what's the general communication been like with the Padres so far?
0: Um, Overall, the communication has honestly been really well. Um, I'm fortunate since I live out here that I'm able to get over that complex more often than not. So when everything went down, obviously all the facilities shut down for about a week, week and a half. And then they started to open up, not mandatory, just all optional and following each state's regulations. So here, you know, they were able to have a certain number of guys there. So I was able to come in usually uh, twice a week just to um, get off the mountain and kind of maintain what I had built up during spring training which was really nice and so I was able to come by the spring training complex a couple days a week and that was going good and then uh, um, I think a couple weeks ago um, MLB started uh, really cracking down on how many people could be into the facility mm-hmm. so then it made it even harder to get in there and then once, uh, once the new agreement uh, came out for you know when spring training was going to start 2.0 uh, most spring training facilities for all the clubs pretty much shut down completely. So for the last two and a half weeks or so, I've pretty much just kind of been on my own doing whatever I can to stay ready.
1: Feel free to of- to tell me to shut up or not, not answer one of the questions <laughs> if I get too personal, but what? Did, who called you to tell you that you weren't going to be on the, on the expanded player roster. And did they kind of hint that there's a chance with roster spots open at, at the, the back end of it that you might be getting a call to, to come down to san diego at some point yeah i mean i
0: I, uh i got contacts with uh ben fritz bullpen coach and a couple other people in the front office and they basically just reached out and kind of spelled out what everybody already knows you know that they they, they've got a group that they're bringing right now and they you know they want to see how everything's going and to continue to stay ready as they let a lot of guys know right now and basically um they're not sure when they're going to put more people on and if so how many but for the moment they're they're Sticking with the group that they have, and to just kind of do everything you can to be ready. Because more than anything, right now, I think that, you know they really want guys who want to play there and want to want to pitch and want to give innings. And so they want guys to not have to come in there and take a week or two before they're really even ready to be pitching in live live games or live scrimmages. So they really want you. As, as hard as it is right now, when it comes to where can you throw and with who and all the restrictions, and depending on what state you're at, you know you basically just got to do everything you can to where if you get that call, you're ready to go in a day or two.
1: It's a crowded bullpen for sure at the major league level and not everyone can get invited, um, even taking players, you know, from triple A and double A. Uh, I'm sure you thought you had a good chance to be on the reserve list. How, how disappointing was that initial phone call? And then um, what's your plan right now as you're gearing back up for, uh, for possibly getting the call?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's frustrating when you you want to be a part of a club and you felt like you had a good spring training, which I did. But at the same time, I know there's a lot of guys in the same boat as me and a lot of them with an even better pedigree than me, especially with what they've done so far in their careers. And, you know, they didn't get calls either. And so, you know, it, it goes back to what it's like to be a professional baseball player in the first place, which is that you really can only control what you do out on the mound when they let you out on the mound. So everything else you've got to just adjust you know, being a minor league baseball player is basically becoming a professional at making adjustments more than anything. And so uh, for me, that's pretty much what I've had to do. Um, I've been throwing two days a week. Now I'm starting to throw um, off the mound three days a week, Um, basically working out whenever I can, trying to find catchers, trying to get workouts in. But obviously it's been tough as Arizona is starting to restrict more and more. So really hoping I get that opportunity soon, but um, I'm just going to Trust in the process, and you know, I think for me, it's a really unique situation since uh, this is going to be my seventh season with the Padres. So, if I don't get an opportunity uh, this year, then I I basically will not play this year, and then I don't know where I'll be after that.
1: What do you think is a is an active player? We haven't, I don't think we've talked to any active players since this thing started. What do you think of the the guidelines that MLB is using to bring baseball back? this summer and i know as a player 99% of you are you know really chomping at the bit to get going and you're excited to play but has anything been going on that's you know made you reflect more on your personal life your your priorities your career and do you think MLB is going about things um, in a good way for in terms of player safety
0: yeah i think i think that they're doing the best that they can with what they have and just like we talked about with what states are doing right now to to try and take it one step further and to have professionals Sports come back. We're going to we're going to be comparing between the MLB and the NHL and the NBA and the MLS and football and everything that's going to happen. And uh, after a certain period of time, you know, once again, it comes down to, you know, players wanting to play, owners wanting to play and then finding a way to make that work. You know, I've I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they totally think the season's going to happen. And I've heard just as many people say that they don't even think, you know, guys are going to make it through spring training. But I think at the end of the day, you know, every single person's in a different circumstance. So with with what we're going through and how every single day is completely different than the next, um, you know, there, there's going to be road bumps throughout the entire season. I don't think it's ever going to just go smoothly. I think we just saw that recently with some delays and testings for certain clubs and things that were just simply unavoidable. And so I think what's going to have to come down to it is kind of taking everything with a grain of salt and, and realizing that, you know, we're, we're basically asking people to – make something work and then also give us the opportunity to give them a hard time every time it doesn't. So it's not exactly the most enviable position to be in right now when you're one of those people who help constructing those rules. But as a player, you know, it just comes down to, you know, how do I want to play? Do I want to play during this? And you know, how do I feel personally about my safety and the safety of my family and what that situation looks like? And every single person is different that and there's there's nothing wrong if someone wants to play and there's nothing wrong if someone doesn't want to play you know there, there's good reasons behind each decision
1: there's some there's a little bit of pessimism floating around about you know once the season starts if, if teams start getting sick or a lot of players start getting sick what's going to happen do we have to shut down again maybe and assuming we can get through the whole year and you know the league stays relatively healthy I mean you're you're mostly a young group of guys that are in good shape and not at risk. The guys that are at risk are hopefully staying home. I just saw Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals, who's a type one diabetic said he's going to sit out this year, which is probably a good yeah. decision for him and his family. But do you see the world series this year is, is a player. Do you think the world series this year is going to have some kind of taint or maybe not, maybe not an asterisk, but like, you know, some, some kind of uh, hue to it that makes it seem not as legitimate as uh, a, a typical world series from a normal year.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I think that there, there's a basis to that, you know, when it comes to how do we define a batting record if someone hits, you know, a yeah. batting record this year and then and then vice versa. Like, or, So there's going to be adjustments with that. I think it's really interesting to see what MLB does with that. But when it comes to um, the World Series, I mean, a lot of people, you know, whoever's not going to win it is going to be like this was a joke to begin with. And whoever wins, it's going to be like the rings the same way as last year's. You know, and I think uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Strom I was reading the other day said, you know, the champagne tastes the same, whether it's a 60-game season 160-game season, and I I think he pretty much summed that up perfectly. I think that there's not a guy on this planet that would say he'd rather not go to the World Series this year just because it's a 60-game season. So what people will decide to have a say about that 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, who knows? But I mean, I'm, I'm honestly excited for it. And I just really want to be a part of it because I think that, you know, when, when it's a 60 game season, like they're talking about it being a sprint, I think that anything can happen. And I think that it's a perfect opportunity for a team like the Padres to just surprise a lot of people.
1: I know me and Wade are really excited about the, the prospect of a 60 game season where every game suddenly matters and pitching matchups matter. And um, you can, your heart can be broken. I mean, watching a regular season, um losing sucks but it's 162 games and you know it's a grind but when it's a short season like this every game matters are you are you even more excited about this kind of sprint type season where it's something new and fresh like almost like a tournament style season where everything is weighted so heavily
0: yeah i think it's it's going to be a lot of fun honestly because when you really look at it and you think about the way that this season works and if we just eliminated the other 80 games it would have already been played like If every single team was tied going into the last 60 games of the season, everybody's going to be playing, you know, like they're out of their minds. And so when you when you introduce that into this, I think it's going to be really exciting because, you know, teams are teams are not going to uh, give away games. Teams are not going to let somebody stay out longer than they think he should. Uh, Teams are going to be less focused on development, less focused on, you know, what draft pick that they're going to get next year based on the standings, all those things. And. So it's going to be really exciting to see how teams adjust to that, how playing styles might change a little bit, whether it's, you know, bringing in openers or whether it's adding more guys to a bullpen depth or, you know, there's so many different options that teams can take. And so I think one of the exciting things for me personally is I think we're going to see more credit given to managers of Major League Baseball teams this year than ever before, because there's going to be so much more strategy in it than than there were in times past.
1: Call me call me an idiot if you want, but is it crazy to think it's a good idea to want a 60-80 game season once every four years? Hmm. It's
0: an interesting Fresh, thought, you know. I, yeah, no, I mean it's 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 a hot take. And I, I always <laughs> dressing hot take. so um, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I think it offers up a really interesting standpoint and in how the game would be played. I think it's hard to. I think the hardest part about that would be convincing players who are signing these contracts if we were to continue with pro-rated basis to be open to doing something like that
1: yeah there's less money to for see. everybody
0: yeah i mean honestly what i'd love to see is if you just took like every four years you had an olympics of major league baseball and so you basically just took the last four world series champions and you had like a shortened 100 game season and then at the end of that season then you took those four and did like a 20-game round robin like Japan would do and see what happens.
1: I've been trying to noodle for a long time. It's funny you brought that up. I've I've been trying to think of a way to do um, like a a round robin tournament between the winners of the Japan League, the Korea League, the Cuban League in the in the league in the United States. Um, I haven't been able to figure out the best time to do it. Travel would be an issue, but we're going we're going to Japan anyway to play the first couple games of the season. So we're not afraid to go there right as the season's starting. So why not at the end of spring training have that kind of tournament and it could rotate each year that it happens. So that way um, we're getting the team that just won, hopefully still intact and unless they blow it up Marlins style, you know. But um, I think it'd be a really fun way to just compare the, the champions across the leagues and have like a fun little tournament and make some extra revenue. What do you think about that idea?
0: I mean, I think that right now if, if you – Last two words you said, extra revenue, I think anybody's going to be excited about that when it comes to what's happened so far this year. But I mean, I would love to see things like that. When I see the World Baseball Classic, like, I always get frustrated because you see, like, these big-time major leaguers playing for Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. Japan and Korea. And then, like, you see the American team and, you know, it's like basically nobody can be on a 40-man or something. And so it's like, it's it's almost like you're you're watching the old Miracle movie uh, with uh, Hockey and
1: <laughs> Her Oh, brother. yeah. What do you no, play for?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what's going on here? It's like if I mean, because, you know, you wonder, you're like, if we can do it with basketball. Why can't we do that with baseball and just assemble that dream team and just see what happens? Because I think that would be really exciting. And I I think anytime that you, you get some of the best players in the game and you put them against each other and put them on the same team, I think it's good for the sport. So I think it'd be awesome to see baseball doing something like that in the future.
1: What do you think of the DH moving forward? I know this year they're, it's it's going to be in the National League for the first time. And I think it's When I was younger, I was really against it because I've always been a nationally guy. But I think it's time. Uh, What do you think about it going forward, though, is like on a permanent basis? How how do you hit? Also, I I don't think I've ever seen you swing a bat. Yeah, you don't want to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I got my first uh, professional at bat. Uh, the very end of last year in game four of the championship series of the playoffs and I swung as hard as I could at the first pitch and basically did a push bunt down the third baseline and nice. that, that was the end probably that's probably the end of my hitting career more than likely and I mean I hadn't I hadn't hit competitively since I was a freshman in high school so it had been a good 13 years. Uh, so I think it's funny that, you know, somebody's got to just go do that out of nowhere, but obviously it's a lot less likely for relievers, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm torn when it comes to uh, reintroducing the designated hitter to the National League because, I mean, I guess I was never around when they made that rule in the first place in differentiating National and American League. So I don't know how people felt about it back then, but When I think about it now, it's like it's just one of those unique kind of almost oddities of baseball that just make it a really different game than you would see out of a lot of other sports. And so I'm kind of sad to see it go because there's a lot of things I've seen happen in baseball in the last five, ten years that they're changing with rules and everything. And, you know, I get frustrated with that because I always think, you know, this this is America's greatest pastime. We have, you know, it's a storied history of traditions in the sport. And so I always I always cringe a little bit every time we just start changing the rules out of nowhere, especially when it's when it's done for revenue or shorter games or whatever that might be. So I think it'll be interesting because I think it'll uh, it'll obviously open up a lot, a lot of new job opportunities for a lot of guys who can hit and can't play defense. But I actually think it's going to secure a lot of job opportunities for guys who can play defense and can't hit. In the National League, and the reason why I say that is because when you think of rolling through the National League, and you got a guy in the set, you know, facing the seventh guy in the lineup, and he hits a triple, and then most pitchers, you know, if there's a really rough guy at the end of it, he can just roll through two guys between their their worst hitter and and the pitcher and get right out of it out of nowhere, and boom, he's got two outs. And so when you have the pitcher eliminated from that scenario, you can afford to kind of have a guy that might be a really really plus defender somewhere on the field. And knowing that immediately afterwards, you've got another standout hitter all over again.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really considered that part of it. Late game, I think you're still going to see defensive replacements for those guys, you know, on the bench that are not, not DH candidates, but are really good defensively. And then mm-hmm. also it keeps the guys who are bad only in employed too. So that's a good perspective.
0: And I think it'll also just uh, it'll avoid injuries. You know, pitchers, we love to get injured. <laughs> uh, however it might Running be. Running is hard, man. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's one less, one less way you're going to see someone hurt themselves running around the bases or whatnot. So I think, it gives, I think it's only going to make pitchers better in reality. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, obviously, going into the, the following year after we, we try it out this year. But I think, I think it was a necessity, especially for this year, just to try and simplify things.
1: I think it unfortunately means we're going to have to retire the, the first base jacket for the pitcher if they get on base you know, they throw the the jacket on at night, at night games, it gets chilly out there. And I know I like seeing, I like seeing a guy run the bases in a jacket and baseball pants. It's just, it's a funny look, especially if they, if they're a little overweight, like a Bartolo cologne or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting sight to say the least, although I love when They bring things out of retirement when it comes to baseball. So I'm, I'm all for them bringing the, uh, the jacket back somehow in some other fashion. And while they're at it, they can bring back the bullpen cart. <laughs>
1: What percentage of baseball people you meet, so maybe they work for a team in the front office somewhere, as scouts, uh, assume that you're the son of Brad Radke?
0: Um, I would say I don't get too many assumptions on it, but I do get a lot of people who ask me really quickly if, if I'm related to him in one way or another. Um, I actually, uh, my, my grandmother's big into family tree, so she actually did find out that we are related just a couple, couple generations away distant cousins basically whoa Um, didn't know that yeah go figure but uh yeah i used to get it a lot when i was in high school and college and once i got into pro ball i just didn't really get as much of it surprisingly
1: it's not that common a name so i could i can kind of see people just thinking "No, you're a pitcher he's a pitcher and it's the age is about right you know it can happen makes sense uh did you have a favorite pitcher growing up um yeah i mean
0: It wasn't really someone I was watching play a lot, but uh, probably my favorite pitcher of all time would have to be Sandy Koufax. And then probably a real close second behind him would be Greg Maddox. So I did used to love watching Greg Maddox pitch going up. You know, I, I, I was never the guy who threw 98 miles an hour. And I was never the guy who just blew it by guys. I was the guy who had to use every single other thing in his arsenal, whether it's timing, deception, Pitch selection, whatever it might be, to try and find a way to be successful and do it for a long period of time. So I always really revered the guys who were able to do that in the major leagues, and that those would be the kind of kind of guys that I would just watch and try to pick over with a fine tooth comb to find something that I could try out in my own game.
1: It's funny you picked Greg Maddox as a righty, and you're left-handed, and I'm right-handed. And when I was little, uh, growing up, I was always a pitcher. I was the pitcher, and I, I wasn't much of a hitter. I always loved Barry Zito, who's one of the best lefties uh, of you know my generation probably he had a had some really good years in there and then some not so good years but um that big 12 to 6 curveball was so sexy I couldn't help but fall in love with it mm-hmm. did you did, did does it matter you know right handers left handers growing up um which which arm you used to throw the ball who you were studying or who you were borrowing stuff from
0: uh, not really i didn't think about it back then because you got to imagine being left-handed 98 percent of every pitching coach you've ever had work with you is right-handed so when they're, like, showing you how to do something through the delivery, they're just showing it to you right-handed. So you're constantly just having to think backwards and just, like, pretend that you're looking at a mirror, and that's how you figure out how to do something. So you learn that early on, being a lefty, when, when it's a dominated <laughs> sport.
1: The <A> pride <part laughs> of the lefty is everything's backwards for you guys.
0: Yeah, and everything costs more. It's harder to find, even golf clubs. So <laughs> we're, at a, we're at a big disadvantage here. And the only thing we get back is apparently we live longer. But I'll, I'll let you oh. back me on that a long time from now, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I always loved Barry Zito's curveball, and I used to have a lot of people actually compare it to mine because when I was growing up in, in high school and college, that was my pitch because I just had a really, really good 12-6 to 6 curveball. And to this day, I, if I didn't have that pitch, I don't think I even would have gotten drafted either time. And, unfortunately, once I got uh, Tommy John surgery, it just never really came back to the same extent. Still had the same movement and the same spin, but I just didn't throw it quite as hard to where it started to – made me have to focus more on, on other pitches to make up for that.
1: You mentioned golf, so let's go there for a second. Did you are you a big golfer? Do you play a lot? Yeah. yeah. What's what's the course situation out in Arizona like? Are they still open? That's a great question.
0: You know, I'm a big golfer but I don't have a big wallet. And ah. it's not good it's not a good combination to have. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> so uh, I was really fortunate. My dad got me into golf back when I was five, six years old doing uh, junior golf association. So I was able to do that for a really long time, played in middle school and honestly would have kept playing competitively if it didn't co- conflict with baseball season. But, um, yeah, there's a ton of amazing courses out here. I actually uh, for my job, I worked full time in the offseason at a place called Desert Mountain Golf Club up in uh, way north Scottsdale. And it's just, it's all Jack Nicklaus designed courses. They have seven different courses there and each one is completely different from the other. And so it was a blast getting to go up there because you know you get to take, a, take advantage of the free golf perks and golf whenever you want for free and you get seven different courses to choose from and it st- suddenly turns out to be a pretty good gig.
1: Oh, sounds awesome. <laughs> Even if you're not good at it, you can probably learn to get good pretty quickly if you're playing that much. Exactly. Um, have you ever played Tory Pines out in San Diego? I have not.
0: Um, my sister and my brother-in-law actually just recently did, so I would love to get out there at some point. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of months here, a couple of weeks, you never know. Uh, best course I've gotten to play so far is I did get to play uh, Pebble uh, back in, let see here, 17. and So that's probably my only claim to fame, golf course that I've gotten to play.
1: How'd you swing that?
0: Uh, I did pretty good. It was the first time picking up a club and probably about a year and a half. I think I ended up shooting like an 87. So I was more than happy with that. Cause that was the first time I got golfed after uh, Tommy Johnson injury.
1: Playing, playing a place like Pebble beach and shooting an 87 has to feel very gratifying. Like you didn't go out there and embarrass yourself.
0: No, not at all. And I, I, I always credit my dad every time because he, he basically, if you, it's so hard to learn golf yeah. later on in life, even oh, yeah. at 15, 18, 20, like you're, you're, your mind's just in so many different places. But if you, if you learn to do that at five, six, seven years old, do it for five, seven years. You can just, you, you can pretty much just go play once a year or two. And if you hit a bucket of balls beforehand, you, you can play with anybody. You're not going to tick anybody off. You're going to, you're going to break 90 most of the time.
1: You don't, do you have any kids yet? Uh, no kids
0: yet. Yeah. they about it. Maybe. Tough, uh, yeah. I mean, my wife and I would love to start a family here soon, but uh, minor league baseball comes with uh, some financial constraints that some people aren't aware of. And so, uh, you know, we're really hoping that, you know, coming into my last year before free agency that uh, when we look towards next year, that that situation will hopefully change for the better.
1: I'll chip in for the the first set of golf clubs, the little plastic ones. Love it. For the kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh can you can you walk me through what happened with you the first time you got drafted? Um, you got drafted by the Reds out of high school, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, you you ended up going to Portland. Um, what was what was the situation like making that decision? Um, who are you getting recruited by? And then, what was it like getting drafted again by the Padres um, after you were you were done with Portland?
0: Yeah, definitely uh, going into my senior year. Um, obviously, uh, went on a couple different visits to a couple couple different places. Was looking at. Uh, Santa Clara, University of San Diego, Portland, obviously. And uh, was even looking at uh, USC, Arizona State, LSU, and then actually uh, USMA at West Point as well. And uh, the big thing for me was uh, some of those places were official visits and still just a guaranteed walk-on spot with no scholarship. And other places were you know, a really good opportunity to play right away with a good scholarship. And so it made it pretty easy for me to end up committing to Portland early on just because when I ended up looking at everything around me, even though there were a lot more um, storied universities that had a lot better records and different things like that, um, I knew that at that school, I was going to get a really good scholarship. I was going to get the opportunity to, for the first time in my career, have a left-handed pitching coach who threw in the mid to upper 80s for 10 years in the big leagues, which to me was like, heaven <laughs> and so i knew i was actually going to learn something and get better and then on top of that i knew it was an opportunity to where unlike a lot of guys today that are really good ball players and don't even get a shot to you know start really playing until their junior year in college you know i knew that i'd have an opportunity to try and get out the gate as a freshman and you know i ended up getting a saturday starter job as a freshman there and kind of just went off from there but as far as the uh, the draft was concerned um That was a really uh, tumultuous time for me. You know, we really wanted, I really wanted to get drafted, but I knew that the chances weren't incredibly high. And uh, I still remember this day, I was actually in high school taking finals and ended up getting a call during my final that I had to walk out and take. And it was actually uh, from the Reds and it was only the fifth round of the draft. And they called me and basically made me an offer um, to take me in the seventh round of the draft. And uh, I told them no because it was pretty darn low offer and I didn't want to just say yes and then try to negotiate later. It's just not really my my kind of uh, personality. So then I uh, didn't hear from anybody for a while. And then I remember, I think it was around the 40th, 41st round, he called me back and he was just like, you still want to get drafted? And I'm like, yes. Who <laughs> 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 asked someone that kind of question? i will try so it, yeah. So he's like, all right, uh, well, we, you might be hearing from us. And then I ended up getting drafted in that 45th round. And they basically did a draft and follow where they, they made the same offer they did uh, for the seventh round. And then I played uh California collegiate league summer ball as an incoming freshman, which was a, a big change for me and did that ended up making the all-star team. And, uh, they ended up sending down their, uh, scouting director to come watch me and for the game. And they, they upped their offer a little bit. And then after the game, they upped it a little bit more, but I just let them know, you know, like it's, it's not even close. Like I'm, I'm not asking for a million dollars, trust me, but it's just not where it needs to be for me to turn down Portland. And so they're like, all right, we'll have fun in college and hung up on the phone with me. And I was like, OK, well, that <laughs> is the end of that conversation. So I actually, uh, I went up to Montana. My family has a cabin up there and spent about a month with my dad before, you know, heading off, leaving the roost to go to college. And... Uh, Back in the day when the draft's deadline was actually around August 15th, I get the call on the last day of the deadline at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they go, hey, two of our guys didn't sign. And they they doubled it right there on the phone and said, give them a call back in the next 15 minutes to decide. And I was like, crap. (laughs) Because it ended up being that the the number they came back with was two months ago. I told my dad, if they offered me this much, I'll go. And then I just really had a bad taste in my mouth from the whole experience. The fact that, you know, that they were just kind of like, all right, we'll have fun in college. See you. And by that point, I was getting to know my teammates. I was getting really set into school and everything like that. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to improve my draft stock, which I was, of course, wrong. <laughs> and uh, go from there. And so I uh, decided to go to school and uh, continued there for three years before getting drafted again. Do
1: you ever think, what if, you know, making those different decisions – skipping out in school, going to the Reds and growing up in that organization, what things would have been like? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think about it all the time. You know, we all have those things. But when I look back at it, I don't, I don't look back at it. I look back at it with like curiosity, but not with regret. Yeah. Because when I, when I look back there and I think of how much I've grown as a pitcher and how much I could have, you know, quickly gotten overlooked by in a professional organization as an 18-year-old pitcher and I see it happen now, you know, when I see brand new guys get drafted and, you know, two years later, they're in the pen and another year later, they're released. And so I, I look back at it, and you know, I'm really glad that I went there and got those three extra years of school before uh, before jumping into things. And you know, the, the draft the second time around uh, didn't go nearly as well as I'd hoped for it to go, but I'm still playing now, so I consider that a success in and of itself.
1: Of course, yeah, got to consider it. A lot of guys, you know, don't make it even as long as you do. So I mean, yeah, like- I
0: usually tell people a lot. I tell them uh, it's it's actually harder to become a minor league free agent than it is to become a major league baseball, <laughs> baseball player still stand by
1: that what did you think of the draft this year you went through the process two times being a player what what did you think of the shortened version um i mean they kind of did it out of necessity rather than choice but what what what, if you were getting drafted this year um or maybe you weren't one of the guys that was going to be included in those first five rounds what what's going through your head as a player are you are you maybe a little happier you get you can sign with a team it's more up to you you get a choice basically as a, as a free agent, um, post draft, or maybe you just get to focus on school. Like there's so many different things you can consider now. Um, Mm -hmm. what did you think of the whole draft situation this year?
0: I mean, personally, I thought it was heartbreaking. You know, I understood why they had to do it, especially if they're going to be getting rid of all these minor league teams, but Mm -hmm. you know, you, you just really feel for the sixth through 40th round guys, you know, that, all they want to do is be a professional baseball player, and you know maybe half of them know they're never going to be a big leaguer, but just to be able to just be able to have that feather in their cap, and you know kind of culminate everything, all the hard work they put in, and now that's suddenly gone. And uh, I get your point when you're talking about you know getting to have a little bit more of a choice over like your commitment on where you get to go and what organization you're with. But you know so far, um, I think the, the the toughest thing is they still put that uh, signing cap on it for india yeah, that's the big problem what, Twenty thousand. yeah yeah so i mean i mean I, I knew guys i mean i got offered what i got offered 15 times that in the 45th round out of high school you know mm. <laughs> so i just i feel for those guys
1: do you think they're talking about making some changes to the draft going forward making it shorter for like, television Does, what do you think of all that
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that MLB's definitely been uh, behind the curve when it comes to televising it and making it a lot bigger event than than it really is right now compared to football and basketball. Obviously, the biggest problem with that is your number one overall pick might still not make it to the big leagues for another three years. Well, your number number one overall pick in NBA or NHL, you're going to be seeing them play for the team that year. So I can understand, you know, from a development standpoint, the way baseball is different, why it hasn't been so popular. But... In some ways, you know, I'm, I'm almost going to contradict myself here, but in some ways I think it's good. I think I think 20 is a decent number. I would have liked to see more around 25, 30. And I think the main reason why is because sometimes they do give a lot of guys false hope, and they, they draft guys in the 35th round, and, you know, they get told that they've got a real shot, and, you know, they, they just waste five years of their life doing nothing and not realizing that they were never going to get a shot in the first place. So I think sometimes, you know, weeding that out a little bit more and also – The less guys you draft, the more time you give those guys to figure it out because there's a lot of guys I've seen that, you know, couldn't figure it out and got released and just didn't try anymore. And some guys who couldn't figure it out and got released and signed somewhere else. And two years later, they finally figure it out and they're in the big leagues. So, you know, when you have a a shorter group of guys like that, hopefully that would result in a lot less guys needing to be released each year due to roster restrictions.
1: Did you hear about uh, the, the pitcher Carter Stewart who got drafted? I think it was last year and decided he'd rather go play in Japan for a few years and make some immediate money and then um, become a free agent. I forgot the, the terms of the deal, but he comes back as, you know, around 25, 26, and as a free agent. Ha, have you ever considered that? I mean, maybe not during your time as a, as a teenager getting drafted, but have you ever considered going to play in like Korea or Japan?
0: Um, yeah, my wife and I have talked about that uh, a bunch actually. We're both uh, fascinated with Japanese and Korean culture. Uh, We think in a lot of ways, you know, something like that is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience because most people are never going to just go live in Japan or Korea for one to five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the money is really good, and it's a really cool opportunity, and you get to experience a whole new culture, a whole new world, a whole new style of baseball. And, you know, if you do well, you only improve your your pedigree to where you can come back and play a few more years in in America afterwards. So I think it's a really cool um, opportunity. I think a lot of guys uh, really... Should look more into that opportunity over there because there's there's just so many amazing ways that you can, you know, further your career, and it doesn't have to be in, in the United States. Um, I never heard his specific story in doing that first, but if that all works out for him, he's going to be a very smart guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he makes you look really good playing chess, and everybody else is playing checkers.
0: Exactly, he's already playing the long game, smarter than anybody. He doesn't have to worry about any of the the contracts or any of that. You know, I've, I've seen different guys throughout my career that you know they they figured it out and they figured it out well i think a perfect example that uh you might still remember you remember colton brewer
1: yeah i know the name
0: yeah i think he uh he debuted a year before last and he only pitched in a game or two for us but he signed a one year uh full uh big league salary deal with no no time at all in the big leagues you wow. know okay. and he, he was a second year minor league free agent after being rule five draft in the minor league side like two years before that and was injured. Before that, and suddenly he's a you know he's a free agent for his second year, and he just you know signs a quick one year five hundred thousand dollar deal, and only plays a game or two in the big leagues. And I'm like that guy's smart. <laughs> Why are more people <laughs> smart like him? And then you know I, I look look back, and you know we had Tyler Higgins last year with the Chihuahuas, and Adderland Rodriguez too, and you know they they're both uh, one or two year uh, minor league free agents with you know not a single taste of the big leagues. And now they're both, you know, in the NPP and they're uh, they're making more than they would have here.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's the, the high profile guys go over there after, you know, they struggle for a few years here, mm-hmm. um, go there, refine their game, um, you know, make some tweaks, make, get, a, get a different opinion on some things that they're either they're throwing or, you know, a thing with their swing. So like Eric Thames goes to Korea. He, he kind of failed here goes to korea reinvents himself comes back and and has you know a pretty good career miles Michaelis with the cardinals kind of the same mm-hmm. thing he came back and got a huge contract so some of these guys come back and they make the big money um for whatever yeah. reason
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm hoping that it'll be the exact same case for uh, johnson with us in the back end of the pen
1: yeah um do, i don't know if you know this uh, about me but i actually lived in korea for almost 3 years teaching english oh no kidding so- that's awesome yeah, if you if you ever want to you know ask me any questions about what it's like living in Korea, yeah, um, hit me up uh, you know off air or something. I don't want to bore the people here with it, but um, yeah, I could definitely give you some insight on you know what it's like to be an expat in Korea.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean I know I got one thing going for me. I'm 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 tall and dark skinned, so <laughs> I'll definitely stand out there more than normal.
1: Is your wife blonde by any chance? Uh, no, she's brunette actually,
0: okay. and uh, and she's pale white. So oh, they love that. Yeah, they're gonna love that. (laughs) So who knows who knows what God has in store for us? But you know, I mean, as long as I can keep playing baseball and get to a point where it's a a viable career and I'm able to support us and a family, like I'm gonna keep playing as long as I can.
1: You were you were all over the place last year with the organization. So you got time at like Elsinore, you got time at Amarillo and El Paso. Who who on is there any player on any of those teams that you were you're playing around with and maybe you see them in camp now and you're thinking, okay, that guy never coming back to the minors or this guy is ready. I'm glad he's getting a shot. Um, Just like watch out for him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, my, my minor league journey has been so strange because I, I grew up and I was kind of at the helm of my group of guys and then I got hurt. And then instead of just being apart from them and then rejoining them, I had to spend parts of two, three years to catch up to most of them who were already gone as it is. And so I really got to, Almost kind of grow up with some of these younger prospects that are just now starting to reach into the big leagues. You know, I still remember back in 2017, you know, having, uh, you know, hone and, and Baez and Osvaldo and all those guys there and Campuzano, you know, in 2018 and Fort Wayne for almost the whole season and Gore and Patiño and, you know, basically seeing them get their first real taste of like real baseball and then suddenly, you know, within a year or two they're at, they're at double A and they're knocking on the door and some of them already opened it up. And so it's exciting to uh, see those guys um, develop at the rate that they do, especially when you consider their age. And then at the same time, you know, I see some guys that I see and I go, man, that guy, that guy would be nails in major league baseball. And I know that he's going to have a lot longer journey than, than he'd probably like to get there, but you know, you know, he's good enough. And so you just keep watching and keep waiting to see what might happen.
1: and you know those guys, um, that you could uh, last year Watt, playing with them, um, who are in camp. So like the guys in camp right now, is there one sure. that stands out? It could be a hitter, it could be a pitcher um, that you're, you know, especially happy for because maybe he's not he's not Gore or Patino who are like the top prospects in the organization, but someone that uh, you know is going to be a good major leaguer.
0: Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, well, I was going to say Gore, but you already crossed those two
1: out. So oh, yeah, I can't give you the easy ones. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, someone I'm really pulling for uh, is Olivares, which I think he's doing a good job of getting a lot of people uh, pulling for him as well. You know, I got to spend a lot of time with him uh, last year in the Texas League in Double A, and uh, him and Castillo both just tore it up there. And uh, to, to be reading about him and seeing that he's turning a lot of heads, uh, that, that just— makes me really happy because I, I really want him to get that opportunity and it, it sounds like you know he's kind of pushing pushing the door open regardless so
1: he's I definitely really pushing And the in the people at the park at the park outside uh the stadium have been who've been watching you know the summer camp the last couple of weeks have noticed him too and mm-hmm. the, the twitter is is ablaze with edward olivera's talks and i'm happy for him too because he's he's yeah. not like the the sexiest prospect he's got some some good tools, but no one really, unless you're like deep, deep into the, the Padres minor league system, you probably don't know a lot about him. And he could probably push for that fourth outfielder spot as soon as this year. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see him doing well too.
0: Yeah. And when you think about this season, you know, that's what's so exciting about it. Cause if, if the Padres are, you know, 20 and five going into the first 25 games of the season, you know, it doesn't matter who's getting paid, what, who's played as long as they have if someone's not doing well. They're they're going to find somebody who is doing well and whoever's doing well. It doesn't matter if they're brand new. It doesn't matter if they're washed up or what they're going to put them in there because we're going to be grinding it out like we've got ourselves a real chance here. So that's what makes it exciting is you kind of go away from the classic development of minor league baseball and even sometimes even at the major leagues and you go to, you know, back to college baseball where, you know, it's like every game matters. It's it's do or die, win or lose right here, right now. And I think it's going to be really exciting to hopefully see some guys who might get a real opportunity for that.
1: We will get you out of here on this uniform change this year. Spring training—it's been, you know, just the one, you know, brown jersey with the yellow piping. But the new uniforms overall—thoughts and which one's your
0: favorite? Um, 100% love it. Uh, I've been wanting it ever since I got drafted to bring back the brown and gold. So I've been on that. I've been on that bandwagon for a long time now. I think it's just—it's classic, it's unique, it's throwback. It's—it's it's not just kind of the bland old colors that we've had forever. Um, as far as the the best look, I mean, I still love the solid brown and gold jerseys more than anything. But I really like the the pinstripes that we're doing right now. And uh, we had a really cool thing going on earlier during spring training 1.0, where it was all about earning your stripes, so to speak. Mm. And so. You know, I, I really like that, and really, really bit onto that, and so uh, I think that the, that's kind of taken over as my favorite one that we've got so far. Well, but, there's uh, the white
1: pinstripes and the in the gray pinstripes. Yeah, to, give me one.
0: All right, we'll go white. You gotta go home.
1: Okay. <laughs> I mean, I like them all too. I can, I'm just I'm messing with you, but uh, yeah, they all look great. It's way past time. If you can own a color, you always do it. And brown and gold is so iconic to San Diego. Like, what are we doing? Not doing brown and gold. It took too long.
0: No team that's ever even tried to do that. We might as well own it and make it ours. And then you got that recognizable feature.
1: Love it. Great take by you, Travis. Loved having you on. Um, What you got here? I know it's uh, getting a little late, Um, but follow him on Twitter. It's a tough, tough handle to find. It's at Travis Radke. So uh, follow him, Travis. Appreciate all the time you gave us and hopefully we can get you back on when we're, we're talking about some real baseball stuff and mid season maybe.
0: Yeah. Be nice to do one, maybe not in person due to COVID, but something closer to that. If I can get myself down there at some point, thanks a lot for having me on, Ryan.
1: Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll get, get you golfing too. If, if Hopefully things are opening up. We can get you on the course.
0: Yeah. I can't argue with that. Let's do it.
1: All right. That was Travis Radke. Had a lot of fun having him on the show. Appreciate his time. And his content. He was a good guest. And make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Travis Radke. Thank you all for listening to this show. That's going to do it for today. Follow us on Twitter at FireFireMans. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and on Twitter at Believe Podcasts. Give them a follow. Leave your comments there, questions, concerns. Rate the show on all your platforms. You've been listening to the Believe and Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I am Ryan Hart. We will talk to you all next week. I'm definitely
0: not the sexiest prospect that's ever lived. Not even Even on the maximum top 100 of sexiest prospects. (laughs)